Everybody doing well? I wasn't very enthusiastic. <laughs> Hope you have big uh, Father's Day plans. Talked to a couple dads this morning, asked them what the plans were, and they said, uh, looks like I'm cooking dinner for everybody. <laughs> That's all good. So the last couple of weeks, we've begun a, a new exploration of the larger discussion that we're exploring this year about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. And we've turned our focus toward this idea of becoming more like Jesus. What is that? What does that mean? How does that work? And so what we've decided to do is we're going we're gonna to look at this idea of what is Jesus like? What, what do we learn about Jesus? And then ask ourselves some really honest questions about do our lives look like that? And, and here's how we frame the discussion. In becoming more like Jesus, we're looking at what were some of his character traits or his virtues? As we see them primarily displayed in the Gospels, what do we learn about the way that Jesus conducted his life? What were some of the things that were most important to him? What were his values? And consequently, we always shape our priorities as a reflection of our values. So what was valuable to Jesus, and what do we see then in the things that he had um, the most energy for and the most time for? What were some of his habits? What were some of the routines of his life that we could learn from? And then what were some of the things that he was deeply passionate about? And then ask ourselves the question, am I passionate about those kinds of things? D do I reflect those kinds of habits? Do, do I have those kinds of values? And so throughout this summer, what we're going to do is we're going to explore the particulars of these topics we're going to look at some dimensions of all of this. And um, I, I've told you a couple weeks ago, I'm headed to a sabbatical this summer. Um, and I have asked uh, seven teachers to uh, share with you this summer the question, or an answer to the question, what is their favorite character quality of Jesus? And a number of our pastors are going to be sharing, and then a guest or two. And I think you guys are going to have a great summer uh, really exploring the life of Jesus, and I'm, I'm excited for you. Um, last week, we had, a, we had our outdoor service. Uh, it was our baptism service. How many of you were there last summer, last week? Yeah, what a great Sunday. I, I just, I was looking around, and I was thinking to myself, people worshiping outside, uh, people getting baptized, people sitting around sharing a meal with each other, and though although it was hotter than blue blazes out there, um, I was thinking to myself, this is about the most perfect expression of what the first century church was like that you could ever find. And I, I, my heart was just bursting with joy and with pride about Cibolo Creek experiencing something like we did. And um, one of the things I was talking about, because I only had a little bit of time last Sunday, um, one of the things I was talking about, it's, it's really critical that if we're going to explore a life of becoming like Jesus, then one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, do I even desire that? Do I, do I want to be like Jesus? Do I even want to be like Jesus? And it, it, 
it's really important that we understand there's a world of difference between liking Jesus and wanting to be like Jesus. Do you understand that? I meet people all the time who are, they think Jesus is a cool guy. I mean, they're big fans of Jesus, particularly in relationship to what Jesus has done for them and how he's sort of served them and the benefits they receive. But there's a difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And so what we're discussing in this segment of our topic this, this summer is, is the desire to become like Jesus is wanting that in the first place. Because a, a true reflection of God at work in our heart, that our salvation is in fact sincere, is that we would have the desire to want to be like Jesus, to want to be more like Jesus. So we look at a verse like this in the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul writes this. We know, this is kind of the substance of faith, we know that in all things, doesn't matter what's happening in life, God is at work. He's always working for good, for the good of those who love him, to those who've been called according to his purposes. And here's his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined, he set a path toward them becoming conformed to the image of his son. God's primary purpose in the life of a Christ follower is that we become more like Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, so there's, there's this verse in the Gospels that is probably one of the most concise descriptions of what Jesus was really like. And it's found in the Gospel of Mark. And here's what Mark writes. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like that's the degree to which he came to serve and to give. He was willing to give his life for the good of others. So the two descript uh, descriptive words or statements in there. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to give. This very concise description of what Jesus was really all about. He, he came to this earth to serve and to give. And we could probably summarize that in a single word. And that's the word unselfish. Jesus is unselfish. It's been funny preparing these messages. I've, I keep fighting the urge to say Jesus was unselfish. That's true. When he was on earth, and there's a story of his life we find in the Gospels, we see that he was unselfish. But he's a risen, living Savior. He's still alive today. And guess what? He's still unselfish today. So Jesus is unselfish. So then if we're Christians and if we're Christ followers then we have a question to ask ourselves and we have to be honest to it. We have to ask ourselves, am I? Am I unselfish as a person seeking to follow Jesus? And 
the answer to that question is, there's a good chance that I'm not. There's a, there's a good chance that I'm not. Or, or at least, I'm not nearly as unselfish as I ought to be. Now, it seems like the older I get, and that's happening very quickly these days, um, it seems like the older I get, the more aware I become of how incredibly selfish I am. And I don't like that about me. And you think I would know better. Because I learned a really important lesson about being selfish when I was still in my 20s. Like a really hard lesson. You see, when I graduated from college, um, that summer... I was asked by the college that I had graduated from if I would serve as an ambassador for them. And I and five other guys, we were on a team and we traveled all throughout the Northeast United States as representatives of our college, essentially inviting young people to consider going to our school. And so New York and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Iowa and Illinois, all camps, churches, conferences. Some of you might be surprised to know that part of what our team did is that we were a singing team. <laughs> Let's just say they didn't turn my microphone up very loud. We even cut an album. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's shocking. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so we traveled representing school. And, and here's, here's just the truth. One of the things you learn, because when we'd go from city to city and from event to event, we would be hosted by families at those churches. They would take us in for the evening, usually in groups of two. They'd feed us, give us a place to sleep. Sometimes they'd do our wash for us. Um, but you learned along the way that if, if a host mentioned that they had a swimming pool, that usually meant that they were wealthier and that their food would be really good. <laughs> and most likely, you would have your own room to sleep in. And after about six weeks on the road, these were luxuries, right? These were really nice. So we're, we're at this one event. The host of all gathered to split us up about where we're going. In a conversation apart from the rest of the group, I learned that one of the hosts has a swimming pool. So I saddle up next to one of my teammates, Brian. I said, Brian, these folks have a pool. Let's go to their house. All secret, right? So we load up in their conversion van, and it was really nice. And I'm thinking, score. We get to the house. They give us a tour of the swimming pool, which currently is under some phase of construction. There's water in it, but there's as much dirt in the pool as there is outside of the pool. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm swimming in that. These people, um, they, they uh, harvested honey. So they had beehives. And there were bees everywhere. Like, like you're standing on the pool deck doing this to keep the bees away from you. They fed us. We opted out of swimming that night. I go into my room. I start unpacking my suitcase. And I start itching. 
like, it becomes noticeable. And so I, I just look around and I notice that the room is full of fleas. All over the bedspread, I see them jumping in the carpet. And I'm like, seriously? This is not an exaggeration. I go over to the curtains, I pull the curtain back, and there are like lanes of fleas in the folds of the curtain. But we're on a ministry trip, so I just have to smile and go with it. So I go over next door to my, my friend Brian's room, I knock on the, Brian, is everything okay in your room? He goes, no, this room's infested with fleas. <laughs> So I never unzipped my suitcase the rest of the night. I pulled the sheets off the bed and I just slept on the bare mattress. And I learned a really hard lesson about that selfish pursuit to want to be at the house with the pool and all the nice things. It, it, didn't, it didn't pay well. One of the things we have to learn about selfishness is that Few things create greater problems in our life than our own selfishness. Um, the truth is that human beings, just, it, it, just by nature, most human beings were terribly selfish in most of what we do. We always have some sort of selfish motive. It's behind most of our relational challenges. Selfishness is most what undergirds most of the arguments that we have with others. It's, it's what causes most of the frustrations that we have with life. It's most of what brings about the tension in our jobs is that ultimately it comes back to some sinister demand to want what we want over what others might need or what's good for the larger group. We're just by nature selfish people. Some of us maybe a little bit better at it than others, but we're all very selfish by human nature. So let, let's talk a little bit about selfishness and unselfishness. So even the Son of Man, Jesus, he did not come to be served. If anybody could have come to this earth and been deserving of being served, it was Jesus. God come to earth, but he didn't come for that. He, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So a few weeks ago in my journal, I was, I was just working on this thought. This, he came to, to serve and to give his life. And I thought to myself, what if that wasn't true? So I wrote this, imagine for a moment if it was not true that Jesus was an, as unselfish as he is. Imagine for a moment if Jesus was terribly selfish. Imagine that the son of God was just a spoiled brat who only thought in terms of what was most comfortable, convenient, and best for him. What if he really, really did embrace fully that the world revolved around him? that he couldn't have cared less what other people needed. Just, just imagine. Imagine that God the Father calls a meeting in heaven in eternity past, and God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, are sitting on some veranda overlooking the celestial landscape because God has something important that he wants to discuss with his Son. 
And he says to Jesus, I I have a bit of a dilemma. You see, God was aware of sin's impact on human beings. And to discuss a redemptive game plan, God needed to put his head together with his son and figure something out to where they could provide forgiveness of sin and secure salvation for us as human beings. So you might imagine that the father said this. He might have said, uh, so here's the dilemma. On one hand, I'm, I'm holy, I'm righteous, and I'm just. That's the nature of who I am as God. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm merciful, I'm gracious, and I'm loving. So in order to help human beings somebody's going to have to die to pay for the penalty of sin in order for my holiness, righteousness, and just nature to be appeased. But because I'm merciful, gracious, and loving, I'll accept that person's death as sufficient payment for the sins of the whole world. And Jesus might have said, well, who's able to do that? You can imagine the father maybe looking out of the corner of his eye toward his son. And Jesus is like, me? Yes, you. You're the only one who can do that. But had Jesus been selfish, given the circumstances, think about it. Would he have left heaven to come to earth? If he was selfish, would he have limited himself to be a human being among humans? If he had been selfish, would the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father really want to come to earth and start off by being born in a feeding trough for animals? Would he have really wanted to spend 33 years of his life limited by the restraints of human beings, thirsty, hungry, tired, homeless, lonely, misunderstood, rejected? If Jesus had been selfish, Would he have even entertained the idea of coming to earth as Messiah, King of Israel, knowing very well that his own people would reject him? If he had been selfish, would he have healed even more than just a couple of people once he realized he wasn't going to receive any applause or affirmation from the masses for his benevolent miracles? Would he have put up with the rejection, the confrontations, the disbelief, the abuses of the Pharisees when it was clear that he was like en- unlike any other rabbi they had ever met? Would he have been so gracious to sinners after the repeated failures to obey him as he asked? If Jesus had been selfish, would he have agreed to give his life as a sacrifice for sin, knowing full well he would suffer a crucifixion at the hands of Roman executioners? Would he have made it all about helping others rather than simply helping himself? You see, if Jesus had been selfish... There is no, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. Had Jesus been selfish, there's no cross. Had Jesus been selfish, there's no gospel. Had Jesus been selfish, there's no eternal life. Had Jesus been selfish, there's no grace. There's no forgiveness. There's no salvation. There's no life after death in heaven for eternity. 
Had Jesus been selfish? There's no invitation into the kingdom of God for any of us. Aren't we glad that Jesus was not selfish? Because it's you and I who have benefited because his character was to be unselfish. We have to understand the difference between selfish and unselfish. To be selfish is to be lacking consideration for others, to be concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. The selfish person essentially asks these kinds of questions. Will it be easier for me? Is it more convenient for me? Is it more comfortable for me? Is it more advantageous for me? Is it more profitable for me? The selfish person always asks the question, what's in it for me? To be unselfish is to willingly put the needs or wishes of others before one's own. It asks the questions, what's best for them, not for me? What need do they have that I can help with? It asks the question, what can I forego? What can I give up by way of comfort or convenience so that the needs of another person can be well served? That's what it means to be unselfish. So it's interesting, throughout the teachings of Jesus, this idea of unselfishness is most often portrayed in the example of a servant. Time and time again, Jesus talks about a servant. And it's interesting that he calls his disciples, the 12, to the priority of being a servant. And it's one really interesting exchange. Um, the, the disciples have gotten into an argument amongst each other because two of them had asked Jesus if they could sit on his right and left hand side of the throne in the kingdom of God. And the, the others kind of took umbrage of that. And so Jesus pulls the guys, guys, come here, come here. He says, he called them together and he said, you guys know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles, people without God, the rulers of the Gentiles, they love to lord it over their people. Their high officials exercise authority over them. But then these are pivotal words in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Not so with you. If you're going to be one of my followers, if you're going to be one of my disciples, if you're going to be one of my sons or daughters, it's not going to be like that for you. Position and power and privilege is not what you seek if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Does that make sense? So at the heart of Jesus' display of a selfless life is this invitation that we become like servants to others. Willingly, graciously, joyfully, we look for the opportunity and the noble privilege of serving others and being of help to them. 
So Jesus is unselfish, then as a follower of Jesus, I too am to be an unselfish person. Now, I've just selected two passages of Scripture. We, we could look at dozens of them about the priority of being unselfish as followers of Jesus, but probably one of the premier passages is this. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Philippi, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now think about that in your marriage. Think about that in your, in, in your role as a parent. Think about that in, in your place where you work. Think about that in regards to your extended family. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And I think there's a relationship between the two that to be selfish is essentially to be conceited. Rather, in humility, and we're going to be talking about the character trait of humility later this summer, rather in humility, value, talked about values of Jesus, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you are looking to the interests of others. It's, it's not saying you can't look out for your own interests. It's just you can't look out only for your own interests. You have to have a heart and a, and a mind and a compassion for the interests and needs of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And, and here's the Christ that we meet. Jesus who, being in very nature God, he did not consider his equality with God something that could be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and all the limitations that came with it. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, and not just any death, the death of a criminal on a cross. He was willing to do that. Why? For the needs of others. One of the great discussions in the New Testament is about the freedom that we have because of our relationship with Christ. We've been set free from the, the power of sin in our life, and, but the Apostle Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge that selfish desire in you, but rather serve one another humbly in love. Again, just two passages. I could take you to dozens of others where it's very clear that the heart of Jesus for those who would follow him is that we are to be like him in his unselfishness. Make sense? I see this reluctant <laughs> nodding of the heads. I don't, maybe it's just me. But I have a lot of work to do in this area. And, and here's, here's my invitation. Maybe you would join me this summer in just a simple prayer. Simple prayer. Lord, will you show me 
Will you teach me? Will you help me to serve and to give? Don't, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Just an honest, sincere prayer to God, inviting him. Would you help me? Help me see how I'm selfish. Would you teach me a, a more unselfish life? Would you help me with how selfish as I can be? Teach me how to be like Jesus who came to serve and to give his life. So we say practice makes permanent. Practice does not make perfect because you could practice the wrong thing over and over again and get really good at doing the wrong thing. <laughs> right? Practice makes permanent. So you may recall in our first discussion of this particular topic, I said there was three ways that we could pursue becoming like Jesus. First is some of us, we just need to learn what Jesus was like. Some of you, your faith is so new to you, you don't really know accurately what Jesus was like. Maybe you've heard some misperceptions of him or misunderstandings of him. And so you, you just need to learn more about what Jesus was really like. Truth of the matter, some of you who've been going to church all your life, you still have a lot to learn about what Jesus was really like. And that's the start. It's hard to become like somebody if you don't know enough about them to even know what to do. And the second way that we can become like Jesus is we just learn to imitate him. Like just practicing doing some of the things that Jesus did. I mean, think about it. Every new skill that you ever develop generally starts with some degree of imitation. There's somebody who's showing you how to do the thing. And what do they ask you to do? Okay, now you try it. And so you just, I remember when uh, one of my best friends in life, um, years ago, he, he was teaching me, um, he was a master fly fisherman. And I had never fly fished. And so he said, I'll, I'll teach you. So we're standing in his backyard and he's showing me how, you know, how to handle the rod and what, what, what degree of the clock it's in and how to keep your wrist straight. And, and what he would do, he'd hand me the fly rod and I, I just, I was what? I was imitating him. That's one of the ways that we can become like Jesus is just learning to imitate what we now know about him and then finally submitting to his work in our life and that's the prayer. Lord, help me, teach me, show me how to be more like you. That prayer of the heart of a disciple to become more like Jesus. So, you guys ready? You with me? I, I still got like a minute. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. I'm going to give you three exercises. You can try all three. You can just try one. I can't make you do any of them, but it's just, just something to practice. First one is this. What I call anonymous generosity. This is a this is an exercise in unselfishness. Do something extremely generous for somebody while remaining completely anonymous. Did you get it? Do something really nice for somebody, very generous, but choose not to be identified. Just fight that urge for the appreciation, the applause, the thanks, the return trip. I mean, just stay anonymous. Second exercise, sacrificial service. Find a need in somebody's life and make arrangements to help them with it. And don't let them talk you out of helping them with it. I'd really, really like to help you with this thing that you need. The third one is this. Okay, you ready? 
This will be a little bit harder. Gracious sacrifice. Invite somebody to do something they love to do that you do not enjoy at all. <laughs> and do it without giving a single clue as to your preference. You don't like going to movies? Be unselfish. Don't like eating that kind of food? Go out and enjoy that meal, celebrating the exercise and unselfishness, and don't let them know that you don't like that. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a way. All right? <laughs> Very enthusiastic response. <laughs> so looking at the attributes of Jesus, here's some of the ones we're exploring this summer. He was compassionate. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He's humble. He's unselfish. He's devoted. He's forgiving. So two weeks ago, we invited you to take a survey. So on the front of your copy of the creek, you'll find a little QR code. If you haven't taken the survey yet, I invite you to do it. It's just four questions. Take you less than a minute to complete the survey. And basically, here's what the survey's about. Would you be willing this summer to choose one of these attributes of Jesus and say, I'm going to work on that one. Just this summer, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to ask God to be at work in my life. I'm going to learn some more about it. I'm going I'm to um, practice imitating Jesus in this one, one particular one. And so if you haven't done the survey, and, and many of you have, but if you haven't, we'd still love for you to participate. Instructions are very clear about what we're doing, and we're hoping to come back at the end of the summer and retake the survey with a couple of new questions to see the kind of progress that we made. And if you want to know what, at this point, a couple hundred and so people have taken the survey, if you want to know what the number one response is, I'll be talking about that next Sunday. <laughs> so if you're the curious type, make plans of being here next Sunday. Make sense? Well, thanks for listening. So we know a little bit more about Jesus now. Today we learned, or we're reminded once again, Jesus was incredibly unselfish. The question we ask, if we're Christians, am I unselfish like Jesus? Make sense? Let me ask you to stand together. And pray for you. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I'd love to make your acquaintance. I'll be here at the front of the auditorium. Just come on up and introduce yourself. And dads, we have a special treat out in the lobby for you, so make sure you pick up that, and we hope you have a great Father's Day. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for being such an outstanding father. In your love, in your compassion, your grace, your mercy, your faithfulness, your loyalty, all the things that make you such a perfect heavenly father. We're just so grateful for you. And thank you that your son Jesus is exactly like you are. And thank you that he was so incredibly unselfish that he'd come to this earth and be willing to give his life so that we as human beings, that we could be saved and forgiven and know eternal life in heaven someday. Father, I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives that you'll 
you'll draw our minds to be attentive to those times and those ways and those places in our lives that we can be very selfish. Convict us of it, lead us away from it so that we can be better reflections of your son Jesus and his incredible unselfishness. I pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.